Welcome back to the Eye on the Tigers podcast. I'm Dave Matter, the Zuby writer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and stltoday.com, joined by sports columnist Ben Fredrickson. Ben, it's it's Christmas, it's holiday week, it's bragging rights week, it's Gasparilla Bowl week, it's, it's Blizzard 2022 week. There is so much going on right now. I don't know how we have time to even podcast. Uh, we are recording this early in the week. There's games to be played later in the week. Uh, we're we're going to get hit by, you know, the greatest Arctic freeze of our lifetime uh, by the end of the week. So I just I just hope that we are present for the games that we are assigned to cover. Uh, what do you think about all this madness going on this week? Did you forget signing day? Oh, my gosh, I did. Yes. Signing day is Wednesday for uh, <laughs> for football, for college football. Yeah, kind of a kind of a big deal though. Although, I mean, isn't every day signing day now with transfers and uh, I, the college football calendar is a uh, it's a mess. There is there's no there's no rhyme or reason to it anymore. But crazy week for Mizzou. You've got bragging rights. You've got the bowl game, and it's going to be impacted by this what we're being told is a chaotic winter storm. So, if you're driving to St. Louis for bragging rights or hoping to fly out to get to Florida for the bowl game, uh, make sure your travel plans are double and triple checked and be willing and ready to be versatile depending on what happens. Although, you know, you never know. Sometimes this stuff is predicted and, and it doesn't happen. So we'll be there at Bragging Rights. You're hoping to go to Florida for the Gasparilla Bowl. We'll hopefully get you down there, Dave. We'll see what happens. If not, you can uh, you can crash with me, but uh, we'll, we'll at least have the bragging rights game covered. As of right now, there's been no, I know there's been speculation and people going, oh my goodness, could they have to change something related to the basketball game? Just full disclosure, we're recording this Tuesday afternoon and there's been no talk of, of that I've heard of anything related to moving the game or, or trying to reschedule it. So there's been some some speculation on social media, but nothing coming official from Enterprise or either Missouri or Illinois. Um, so as of now, we're proceeding as if this thing's going down on Thursday. And it should be, I guess let's start with basketball, right, Dave? It should be a pretty interesting game. Illinois is <laughs> Illinois is a strange team right now. They they go down and beat the number two team in the nation, taking down Texas. And yet you check in on them and they're, they're, Brad Underwood is, is hollering about his players not having leadership, um, not playing hard. And they they go home and they lose to to Penn to uh, to Penn State, which is not known as a basketball power. They're they're up and down. They've got some some I guess some internal questions going on right now as they kind of try to figure out who's going to lead this team. And it's clear that Underwood's taking the tough love approach with his Illini. Meanwhile, you got Mizzou who had the embarrassing kind of no show against Kansas, but to their credit, they bounce back and get a really nice road win against uh, UCF and that. I won't even want to call it a tournament, the showcase down there in Florida on a buzzer beater. And there's one thing about this Mizzou team. We saw it against UCF. We saw it at Wichita State. Dave, the Tigers have a little bit of moxie to them. We, we've seen a lot of Missouri teams that find ways to lose close games. This, this team has a way of kind of, I guess, wanting its number to be called when a game is tight and close late. And that's a good good quality to have. And they, they've got to come into this game feeling like it's an opportunity for them to show they're more ready for the big stage than they than they looked against Kansas, which Kansas, by the way, is one of the best teams in the country right now. They just crushed right. Indiana. Like I think the more Kansas plays like this, the more you look at that game and go, okay, that was Missouri's first big test and they weren't ready. But a lot of teams are going to look bad playing Kansas. So I, I think this is a much better test for Missouri than, than the game against Kansas. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Missouri's two best wins right now, you look at it one way. One of them was an overtime. The other one required a buzzer beater, pretty improbable shot. So it's not like they're winning comfortably against the teams they have beaten that are, you know, decent teams. But there's something to be said for the way they play with some poise. Their demeanor uh, is that of a real veteran team, which they are, especially compared to Illinois. I mean, Illinois is one of the youngest teams in the country. Uh, Missouri is a new team with new players, but they're not young by any means. I mean, Sean East is 23. Demoy Hodge, who made that crazy pass laying down on his stomach and kind of rolled it over to, to Golston for the three. He turned 24 today, I believe. So, like, these are old guys. They've played a lot of college basketball. They just haven't necessarily played at this level in, in this conference uh, or, you know, the Power Five high major level or played in games like, you know, the Border War or the Bragging Rights game. So that part's new to them, but the game itself isn't. So, yeah, I think it's a it's a really interesting matchup for sure. I mean, you know, you, this historic sort of rivalry, I think it's the 41st edition of the Bragging Rights game, and only a few guys on either team have ever even played in one of these. Yeah. Um, you know, Kobe Brown's been through a few. One of them, though, was at Mizzou Arena, so he hasn't had the full experience year after year after year in, in St. Louis. Um, you know, a couple guys on Illinois' team has played in these, but the the – for the most part, you know, the the big producers, uh, this is going to be their first test in this environment. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. Uh, both teams play pretty up-tempo. I think, you know, just at looking at some of the metrics, this is the fastest, most up-tempo team Brad Underwood's coach. That can change over time, over the course of the season. But, you know, this could be a track meet. This could be up and down a lot. Uh, you know, his teams generally play kind of similar style, very tough on the offensive boards, physical uh, they can grind you out if they need to. Um, you know, we know this Dennis Gates team really relies on getting a lot of steals, very unselfish and balanced scoring. So I, I think it could be a great game. I hope the weather holds up so the place can be full and everybody can make their way downtown to see it. But whether you got to settle for TV or you make it in person, I, I think this has the makings of a pretty entertaining game. Yeah, we've learned over the course of this rivalry in recent years Whoever wins, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to have the, the best season. We've yeah. seen, especially Illinois, has lost some of these games and been a much better team than Missouri toward the end of the year. So maybe this, I don't, whatever way it goes, I don't know that this is an indication of, of whatever kind of a season these teams are going to have. But one thing I'm interested to see for Missouri is can they – can they defend at a level that that is going to be competitive against good teams? And we'll see which version of Illinois shows up, but I don't want to put too much of a grade on their defense against Kansas, because I think Kansas is Kansas is playing like Kansas and Arizona right now. If you've watched them play, they're playing at like a final four level to the yeah. point that if you're the coach of those teams, you're kind of wondering like, all right, how do we play so well for so long? Like you usually want your team playing its best basketball later in the season. And they're just on right now. And so can Missouri maybe, you know, play a, a higher level of defense against a quality opponent that maybe isn't so locked in as a Jayhawks. That's one thing that I'll be watching for in this game. What do you think are going to be some of some components of the game? We, in years past, we'd say stopping Kofi Coburn from his, for Illinois, but he's gone now. And that's why part of the reason why the Illini are playing such a higher tempo is they have their back to the basket. Traditional big man is no longer there. Yeah. Coleman Hawkins is a tough matchup. He's six ten, uh, not built the same way as, as Kofi, obviously. And he's, he's like a 220 pound guy. So he, he's, he will seem small compared to 
to Coburn, but he's a tough matchup. He's a really good player. Terrence Shannon, the transfer they brought over from Texas Tech, has he's capable of being a really prolific scorer on the wing with pretty good size. I mean, if you're Missouri, I think the matchup you have to win is you got to take advantage of these young ball handlers, these young guards that they have. Uh, Missouri's veteran guards, you know, they've got to be able to get the ball away from them and just hound them on the perimeter and force them into mistakes. You know, try to play in tandem with the crowd and maybe get them rattled a little bit. Uh, you know, at the same time, though, the Missouri's guards, this is going to be their first experience in this. So may maybe they learn something from the border war playing in front of, you know, that that electric atmosphere, that that great crowd that Mizzou had at Mizzou Arena a couple weeks ago, which I think at times, you know, worked against Missouri's newcomers because they just hadn't been on that stage before. And Dennis Gates even said that he's like, our guys need to learn how to play in, in front of that kind of atmosphere, because hopefully, you know, you keep winning or you keep playing well enough to bring that kind of crowd back all the time. But we know what it's going to be like at the arena, you know, knock on wood that the weather holds up and, and fans are able to be there in full force like usual. So I, I think the veteran guards for Missouri, uh, they've got to win those matchups. Nick Honor, Sean East, Trago Million, Demoy Hodge on the wing, for sure. Those guys got to play like veterans when they're matched up against the freshmen, the young guys that, that Underwood will have out there. Hoping for an entertaining game. And again, most importantly, hoping that everybody can get down there safely with, with the weather we have going on. If all goes according to plan, Dave, you'll then head out to go to Florida. Um, you know, this is a bowl game for Mizzou that you and I have talked about, you know, the current state of bowl games and how much of this boils down to which teams want to be there and which teams don't. Um, you look at some of these bowl games across the country and go, man, are either team even going to show up? Are they going to leave their hotel for this game? And then you have games like Alabama in Kansas State where, you know, the Jayhawk, we you know, the Wildcats are going to be, you know, hungry for a shot to knock off the Crimson Tide. And Alabama, despite not getting a shot at the college football playoff, they've had their best players playing and, and opting in, not opting out. And you go, man, that's a great bowl game. I would put Mizzou's bowl game somewhere in the middle. The Tigers have some guys who aren't going to be there. They also have a quarterback who's in. Brady Cook is in and playing. They have a, a coach who's, I'm sure, motivated to prove that he knows a thing or two about play calling still after Bush Hamden left. They've got a wide receiver in Luther Burden who's going to be back next year, who I'm sure is taking note of everybody worrying about the departure of Dominic Lovett into the transfer portal and may want to make a statement or two about that in this game. Wake Forest was at a really nice start to the season for the first part of their season. Their only loss was in double overtime to Clemson. And then the wheels kind of came off and they, they fell apart down the stretch. Do you think both teams are fired up for this game? Where do you think Missouri's head is at entering this game against the Demon Deacons? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, I think Missouri's motivated. I mean, every time you're sitting there with the chance to either have a winning record or a losing record, you know, there's something on the line. Um, and, you know, you get a chance to go play, uh, I, not that Wake Forest is like a household name, but you playing an ACC team, I think there's something, you know, that, that carries some weight there that you want to go out and prove yourself, hey, that uh, not the conference bragging rights are on the line in a Gasparilla Bowl, but uh, maybe a little bit different than playing Army like last year. Like everybody loves Army. You're playing in the Armed Forces Bowl. You felt like the you almost felt like a natural visitor here. Like we're the bad guys here. I, you're I mean, un obviously, you're unpatriotic if you yeah. if you win, right? Yeah, you can't beat Army in the Armed Forces Bowl. So this is this one's a little bit different. And Wake Forest is a really unique matchup. I think this is going to be not a struggle for Missouri's defense, but it's going to be a challenge. I mean, they have a a very unique RPO offense uh, that's going to it's going to cause some problems at times for Missouri, I think. 
especially when you consider they're going to have two, you know, new defensive ends out there, not new, but guys that haven't played this many snaps that are going to have to play a lot of snaps, Arden Walker and, and Johnny Walker Jr. Um, you're not going to have Martez Manuel out there. You're not going to have Isaiah McGuire, Missouri's arguably their best defensive player this year. And DJ Coleman, really good defensive end. Uh, so you're going to be a little bit younger and uh, there's still a few guys that Drinkwitz has said, basically everybody that's practicing is going to play. They don't have any other opt-outs, but you know, you never know till you get to kick off in a bowl game. If some guy might be on the fence and then decides not to play because he might be entering the NFL that happened last year with a handful of seniors who had some minor injuries or so we were told. And then they, lo and behold, they were in street clothes on the sideline for that armed forces bowl. So maybe that doesn't happen uh, this year. Also though, we haven't seen any practices. First time I can ever remember that a single bowl practice wasn't open to the media. So we don't really have a great feel for who's going to be out there other than what, you know, the coaches and some of the players have said over the last couple of weeks, which hasn't been a whole lot. So uh, it, this won't be the exact same team that Missouri had on the field their last time out against Arkansas uh, especially when you consider Dominic Love, it's not going to be out there. Uh, Jack Stonehouse, the punter, will not be out there. Uh, and then those few guys I mentioned on defense. So a little bit little bit different look for this team. The good news is Eli Drinkwitz, as a difference from last year, has not talked one of his best players out of not playing in the bowl game uh, as we know. with Tyler Beatty, which I'm sure he probably, in his heart of heart, regrets the way that that went down, considering the way things went against Army. Nick Saban doesn't talk his best players out of playing in the bowl game. I don't think anyone else should either. Lesson learned perhaps there, Dave. Um, Brady Cook is, is going to be the starter in this bowl game. Um, I, I don't, it's too easy. It's too cliche to say like that this performance will be some sort of a referendum on, on the way things move forward to him. But look, there's all kinds of quarterback transfer guys in the portal. We saw Eli go and try to recruit three of them last year over Brady Cook. He missed on all of them. And thank God Brady Cook stayed because, you know, he became the starter for this team and he got better as the year went along. Is he the answer moving forward? Is Eli going to say, hey, we're not in the portal looking for quarterbacks this offseason? Brady Cook is our guy. Where does he stand on this? Because here's the deal. Last year, he could go out and recruit those guys. If he missed, Cook wasn't going anywhere. This year, Cook's a graduate. Maybe he looks to say, hey, if you're going to go out quarterback shopping again, maybe I look around a little bit myself. There's also Sam Horn now who's been through the redshirt season as as the, the second quarterback or potentially a challenger to Cook. It's a little more complicated for Eli as he looks at quarterbacks this offseason. And do we do we value or, or think that anything with the bowl game affects anything that could happen with the quarterback pursuit or lack thereof this offseason? Yeah, it's complicated is a good word. I mean, you, you and it's this is going to be the case for a lot of teams out there, especially at the quarterback position. Uh, Missouri has not been very aggressive, at least publicly, in chasing any of these quarterbacks, really good quarterbacks that are in the portal right now uh, that, that we know of. And I think some of that is by design because, you know, last year when they were, they didn't hide the fact at all they were looking for one and they didn't get it. I think it can impact perception a little bit of your ability as a recruiter and, and, and just like the, what's the status of your team and how much do you lack having a quarterback? So I think that's part of it. Um, and, you know, I think they'd like to have Brady back next year. I mean, this is the first time Drinkwitz has had a, a Missouri quarterback who started every game in the regular season. Um, and he did show progress at the end of the year. Does that mean he's definitely the starter next season? Does that mean he's an, 
all SEC guy preseason? No, it doesn't mean those things. I think he'd still have to earn it. And I think that it would be in their best interest to give Sam Horn an opportunity this offseason to have, um, you know, to, to be able to compete for the job. And uh, I, I think that's in a perfect world. That's what you want. You want your guys to get better through a competition, especially if you add another guy through the portal. Um, but, you know, we know what happens if you do go out shopping and you're public about it and you go get a established starter from another team. Well, then where does that leave you with with your two in-house quarterbacks, your two options in, in Horn and Cook? Um, who would, you know, they would have options if they, if they got into the portal tomorrow or if they wait till May. So temperamental, it's, it's, that's, that's how I would describe this situation. And throw in another layer here, we don't even know who, get, who the quarterback's coach will be in 2023. We don't know if there will be an offensive coordinator in 2023 or a new play caller. Uh, Eli has the money to go out and get somebody. The way I was kind of looking at the this contracts and the new salary pool He's going to have about $1.1, $1.2 million to spend uh, either on a new assistant coach, which he's going to have to hire at least one. And then he could either spend it all in one place or he could, you know, give some raises to guys on the staff currently. So we'll see. But he has got one one offensive job to fill. Uh, he's either has to hire a quarterback's coach or uh, reassign somebody on the current staff to coach quarterbacks or go back to coaching them himself. But, you know, there is the money there to go out and get a coordinator. And I think whoever that person is would also have some impact on, you know, who stays, if everybody stays, if they add somebody at that position. So I, still so much left up in the air. Yeah, who, who, who you could hire for that role may impact who you could get as a, as a potential transfer. Sometimes there are package deals between coordinators and quarterbacks, but it's a little – you have more to lose right now than you did last year if you're Eli Drinkwitz looking at quarterbacks because of the progress Cook made. My advice, whatever you do, just don't don't go hire Derek Dooley um, would be uh, would be my, my, my only piece of advice to, to Eli as he considers he's non-committal on it. You and I both asked him um, and he and he said he hasn't made up his mind yet. He probably has, but he's not going to get into that until after this bowl game. So could be some news there coming out after that after that game ends. So much of these bowl games now, Dave, are are guys who maybe haven't got a chance to play yeah, or have been maybe overshadowed or blocked at a position who are now freed up to contribute on the field. Are there certain guys you look to see in this bowl game? Hey, I'm curious to see how this guy steps forward because he had been maybe playing in a spot that had been headlined by a guy who's now opted out to prepare for the draft or hit the transfer portal. Yeah, for sure. On defense, I mean, you're, you're going to need some guys to step up because of who's not playing. Uh, I think this is a great opportunity for Dalen Carnell. He, he led Missouri in interceptions this year. Seemed like he was just making impact plays all the time when he was out there. But he was, you know, he was basically the understudy to Martez Manuel at that star safety position. They would be on the field together in, in some, you know, third down packages. But he's going to get the chance to play the bulk of the snaps, I would think. Um, a couple other younger safeties might see the field some. Isaac Thompson. St. Louis U High, proud graduate there, uh, could get some playing time. Um, you know, you look on the defensive line, we mentioned the two walkers, Arden and Johnny Jr., not related, but uh, they're going to get plenty of time to play, uh, show what they can do. On offense, I think one guy that could really benefit from, you know, the opportunity is Makai Miller. I mean, all he did this year, I think he caught six, six passes. I think five were on third down. Uh, I, I think four – uh, we're in the fourth quarter of games. I might have those numbers mixed up, but he was clutch the few times that they relied on him. 
he'll play the slot with Barrett Bannister to replace Dominic Lovett. And I, I don't think either one of them has, you know, single-handedly replace Lovett's production, but put the two together and that's a pretty good tandem inside. And then you see what Luther Burden can do on the outside. Um, you know, maybe you get some other young guys in there and just to kind of see what they can do. Uh, so it'll, it'll be interesting. I, I think this is a Wake Forest defense. You can throw the ball on them. I mean, they've given up a lot of yards through the air. Um, they, their passing pass defense efficiency numbers aren't very good. It is one weakness for them for sure. So this is similar to what Missouri did against Arkansas. I think this is a game where you can put the ball in the air early and often. Yeah, Brady Cook run if it's there. And if not, chuck it deep. You got nothing to lose. Your offense has been carried at times by this defense all season, and now the defense is weakened by not having a full strength. So the offense should go and treat this as an opportunity to say, hey, we've got we've got a way, some things we can do, and maybe the best is yet to come. And, and I see three guys there that should, should be willing to, and wanting to sell that, starting with the head coach. I mean, Eli Drinkwitz has to know the guy he just lost to Boise State, Bush Hamden, had the best results calling plays for this team this season. The last yeah. three games, he's gone now. So Eli needs to show, okay, this is my offense, and we can we can move the ball. We can get vertical. Brady Cook, we talked about what, what this bowl game could signify for him just in terms of, of kind of culminating his, his growth season and putting him in the driver's chair entering next year. And, and let's not forget Luther here. I mean, there's been a lot of talk. Dominic Lovett was this team's best receiver this season. But you know what Dominic Lovett did as a freshman? You know, Dave, better than anybody. Not a lot. Yeah. Luther Burden has has had some ups and downs this freshman year. He's right on the cusp of that sophomore season. It would be really nice if he could show, hey, don't worry about Lovett so much. I'm the guy, and I'll be that guy I'm supposed to be. Against a pass defense, that's second worst in the ACC. So, you know, Wake Forest can't stop anybody in the air. So, I hope that Eli opens it up and at least for the sake of making it a fun game that they can air it out a little bit. I think that would bode well for, for this team. So um, it's going to toss up. If you care about the picks, it's, it's, it's basically a pick them game. I think uh, the spreads like one point either way. Um, Missouri, Missouri can win this game. And if they do Dave, it's not a season you throw a parade for, but, but I think it's a season that suggests that, that, the best could be ahead for Eli. It doesn't justify the massive extension and raise that he got, but it says that it it's moving in the right direction and could be there next year. And if not, it kind of puts a puts a little bit of a deflating tone on on the off season. I think it really does. And I I don't I don't know if that's fair, but that's just how we work. I mean, we we think about like what we saw last. We're such prisoners of the moment, not just media, but fans and everybody and. We'll, we'll probably give teams that win their bowl game with a depleted lineup way too much credit and sure. forget about the bigger body of work from August to December and just focus on that bowl game. But sometimes, though, that's that's reality. I mean, you think about last year, there was a team in the SEC that went six and six. Nobody was too excited about them. But then they won a bowl game. Their coach is, is a pretty uh, charismatic guy. They beat an ACC team. They got a little bit of love in the in the in the offseason. And then they they had a, a breakthrough year in 2022. That was South Carolina. I mean, you remember it that their year ended with uh, the win over North Carolina in the uh, in the Duke's Mayo Bowl, and Shane Beamer got the, the mayonnaise dumped on his head, and it created some buzz for that team because they won their bowl game and um, they they did you know they beat a quality team you know not a not a playoff contender but a quality Power Five team, and that can do good things for you. I mean. Gary Pinkle used to 
you know, kind of preach in the off season, if you win your bowl game, you just build it up and you talk about it all the time. And you remind everybody what you did last. And if you lose it, you just kind of act like it didn't happen. doesn't you know? matter. doesn't matter. You know, we got to a bowl game, but I can't remember what happened. I don't know. Yeah. Some team played that's, us. That's never happened. been more true now where, where it really doesn't, it doesn't, it's not an indication yeah. of which direction you're going. It's just a matter of who wanted to show up and play that day, but you're absolutely right. right where it seems like coaches will get credit for it if they win it. And then if they don't, they have the excuse of, well, we didn't have all of our guys and it doesn't really. Yeah. Just don't wear too much of your swag in the off season to remind people that you lost that bowl game. But if you want it, you know, you wear that independence bowl sweatshirt everywhere you go or, you know, whatever it might be. So uh, yeah, I mean, that's just how you should approach these things, especially if it's the bowl win that pushes you over 500 finally and gets you to a winning record. Uh, and then you can strut around and say anything you want because at least you won your last game. Especially for Eli, where I think it's safe to say the biggest reason for positive vibes about the Eli Drinkwitz era so far has been the encouraging recruiting. And especially in a bowl game where there's some spots open up suddenly where Eli Drinkwitz recruited players are going to be asked to step. It would be nice to see some flashes from some of those guys. And that would feed in nicely with, with what we're going to have before the bragging rights game signing day. It's such a weird time in college football recruiting because the transfer portal seems to be where the action is and the excitement is not so much the high school kids when it used to be the high school kids were all that anybody wanted to talk about the transfer portal has changed things. Eli Drinkwitz's job has changed drastically since he came on as Mizzou's head coach. I mean, you think about NIL and just the way the SEC has changed the, the transfer portal madness that's continued to get gain momentum and, and steam. So maybe there's less emphasis on signing day. What do you make of this class that Eli's put together? Also knowing that there's going to be another signing day, the transfer portal is going to go continues to turn and it's really impossible to grade a class at this point, but what do you make of what he has on paper and what he expects to pull in Wednesday? Yeah. As, as of recording this, Missouri's got 18 commitments, 19. If you include the transfer from Oklahoma, Theo weeks, who, you know, is a guy, he's a plug and play receiver that could, could start day one for Missouri when he's here in the spring. Otherwise, you know, you've got a handful of, of four-star prospects. Um, you know, the big one locally is Brett Norfleet, who rec- who committed so long ago, over a year ago, that you tend to forget him. But big tight end from St. Charles that I think is a guy, if he's developed physically, he could help he this. in the ball game? Away. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, over uh, on, on the west side of the state, Josh Manning, wide receiver, uh, not the most famous Manning in the 2023 recruiting class, but he's a guy that Missouri is excited about. I know Logan Reichert, big offensive lineman from Raytown. Uh, in, in St. Louis, Marvin Burks, defensive back who flipped from his commitment to Old Miss. Uh, so, you know, they've got some headliners. Jabari Johnson, the, uh, the quarterback from Tacoma, the Seattle area with Bush Hamden recruit. Now, again, we are recording this on on. Uh, Tuesday signing day is on Wednesday, but he's having a signing day ceremony on Wednesday. He has not flipped his commitment. All signs point to him sticking with his pledge to Missouri, which is a win for Eli Drinkwitz because uh, Johnson was a, a Bush Hamden recruit. Um, but he's a guy that, you know, quarter freshman quarterbacks, it's so hard to project uh, if he'll end up being a starter someday here or somewhere else. You just never right. know with any of these right. guys, but really impressive looking guy. When you watch film him, I remember talking to him last, last spring when he committed, Seems like a really sharp kid. He was really well liked up in the Seattle area. So always good to get a quarterback, especially one that that has really good offers. So um, Jamal Roberts is another one uh, running back from St. Mary's. Just 
won the state championship, really prolific running back. Uh, that's a spot Missouri has got some local guys from in the past, and just they haven't exactly, uh, you know, always developed as quickly as, as the fans want. Cody Schrader's still the guy for now. Uh, but, yeah, there's some guys in this class for sure that are pretty intriguing. It doesn't have the top 20 ranking that the last two classes have had. You know, it's going to probably be more in the 30s. Um, but that that's fine. I mean, it, I think we make such a big deal about what the ranking is on signing day. And it's all about how these guys show up and how they develop and how the staff develops. them. that's really the most important part. How the staff retains them, I think, yes. might be the most important part now. And Eli has talked about he thinks the most important thing might not be getting players out of the portal, but keeping your players out of the portal. And that talent retention is going to be it's just going to be a huge story. I don't, I don't think we talked about it enough in college football, but that, that can be a topic for another day. We've got other work to do, Dave. We've got stories to write and columns to produce and, and uh, we'll encourage folks. It's a perfect week to promote this. You've got a new Mizzou newsletter coming out uh, and you're going to have information about that, how to subscribe. If you go to stlt.com slash newsletters, you can find all of our newsletters there. You can sign up for days. You can sign up for mine. Um, it's a really good time to jump on those because there's busy time right now for Mizzou Athletics and Dave's on top of it better than anybody. For those traveling to St. Louis, to the bowl game, be safe, stay warm, stay safe, and enjoy the games. If you can't get there, we'll have full coverage for you at stltoday.com and in the pages of the Post-Dispatch. For Dave, I'm Ben. We will talk to you next time. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy holidays, everybody. Thank you.